Oh, Crazy Nick. Crazy Nick, they call him. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Nick Glover, Tim Wick, and Molly Glover. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, we are talking about the new adaptation of Dune by filmmaker Paul Villeneuve. We are going to spoil the shit out of it. We also do talk a little bit about the Lynch version. Ugh. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. Hi, welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Nick Glover. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Tim Wick. The spice will flow. And Molly Glover. He sheds water for the dead. <laughs> and today, if you couldn't tell, we are going to talk about the new Dune movie. Dune, 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 Dune. We're probably going to talk about the old Dune movie and the books as well. Um And we're, we are going to spoil it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I think... The general impression between the three of us is is positive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you know, maybe go watch Dune. It's on HBO Max or in theaters if you're not worried about being in a theater right now. But uh, yeah. So. Uh, but actually, in- Dune, Dune, and Dune are both on HBO Max. So oh, if yes, you wanted they- to compare and contrast, you can do that like right on HBO Max. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, if you have like six hours to kill. Um, so, uh, 2021 Dune is the third adaptation of Dune. There was the sci-fi series as well. And, uh, we're not going to talk about that. No, I haven't Um, seen the sci-fi series myself. It it, it was fine. Okay. 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 Yeah. It's worth watching if you're a really big Dune fan. Not a good Jessica. Yeah. But if you're a really Mm. good big Dune fan, you've probably already watched it. You know, I get it's hard not to have a good Jessica. I mean, really? Yeah. Right. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this Dune uh, stars uh, Timothy Chalamet as uh, Paul Atreides, uh, the the star of the of the movie, mm-hmm. and I liked him quite a bit. The star I, of the story. It's yeah. all about Paul Atreides. Atreides. Uh, this first book is yeah. 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 yeah the, the first. The first two even really. Um, yeah. I, I thought he did a great job. I think he's a great Paul. I think uh, um, the whole you know, sheltered kid from an ocean planet. Uh, all the white savior tropes aside, right? Like that's, you know. I mean, that's the freaking story. Um, have you read Dune, Tim? You know, I'm pretty sure I have, but it has been a very long time. All right. Uh, because so you don't, you don't really remember if you have, it's not like you were watching this with, with, with like great memories of the book. No, um, I mean, to to give you a kind of reference point, Dune was my dad's favorite book. Uh, and uh, my dad died in 1986. Hmm. So I'm pretty sure it's at least that long ago that I read Dune um, and probably longer. Uh, and uh, he he actually I went to see the original David Lynch Dune because uh, because dad wanted to see it. And because uh, he was such a big fan of the book yeah. uh, and and uh, I had not read the book yet. And, uh, oh, he hated that movie so bad. Yeah, really? I can see why. He uh, hated honestly, personally, it. I could. He he just was like so furious with the movie. He when was I just like, saw... he was just like, 
you know, he he would he would we came out and he's like, well, this thing happened and it probably didn't make any sense to you. And I'm like, yeah, it didn't make any sense. He's like, well, that's because there's all this stuff in the book about this, and they basically tossed two lines in for people who read the books, and otherwise, it just doesn't make any sense at all. And he was just he was super angry about it. So that really brings up an interesting question. I I is uh does a book adaptation is it beholden to people who haven't read the book? Should it should it be full of exposition and explanations mm. for people who are not familiar with the source material? Because I don't think it needs to, personally. I, I think that, the, you know, it needs to tell a, a story and right? it needs to, it should remain true to the story in terms of, you know, the spirit of it and all that. But I don't, I don't think they owe everyone like mm. a, a perfect explanation for anything. I think that the, the new Dune movie uh, is a better, more, co more coherent story hmm. that is the story from the book, or at least the first, you know, half or so of it. I but think, I, yeah, I, I think that, that it leaves out a lot of things that are explained in the original movie um, that they kind of just let happen without explaining them. Like if you if you're already familiar with what mentats are, uh, or like you know why computers don't exist and things like that then you're not wondering what the fuck is up with ornithopters. But if you don't know what a Mentat is and you watch this movie, you're going to be like, who's this chubby dude and why does eyes just go white and what's up with his lips? Yeah, actually both films, as far as it goes, don't explain Mentats at all. They just, and uh, what, is a, what is a film required to do? A film is required to make me understand what it is choosing to show. So... You know, it, it's the whole thing of Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, you know, there's no Tom Bombadil, and there are people who love Tom Bombadil, but but who gives a shit? It doesn't fit into the Fellowship of the Ring story they were telling, and they were true to the spirit of the story that they were telling, even if they didn't get yeah. every piece of it right. Well, Dune's kind of in the same category, right? Are you true to the spirit of the story that you're telling? And if you are, then no, you aren't responsible to explain every tiny little thing to the people who have read the who haven't read the book. But the stuff that you're going to put in there that seems relevant, you better at least help those people understand what's going on. Otherwise, I think it's a fail. I think it's hard because a book like Dune, so much of what explains things is not what's happening in the story. It is stuff that gets explained narratively, you know, outside of the story. So, uh, you know, filmmakers are often, I mean, the film classes I taught, right? Uh, really, really, and, and people, when they talk about, and the film classes I took, not taught, the film classes I took, excuse me, uh, they, they teach like that you're supposed to, uh, that in media res is a great way to, to, to do a movie, right? Like Star Wars, it just starts. Yeah. Yep. They don't explain shit in Star Wars. It just starts. I've never heard anyone say, you know, the thing that sucks about Star Wars is they don't explain anything about who anybody is at the beginning. Like it. And so I feel like what that the fact that there aren't computers doesn't matter. The fact that what that Mentat is, what the Mentat does, like, I feel like you get context clues. Like he rolls his eyes back in his head and then he gives them some information. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I felt like a lot of the stuff that people are complaining about being missing as, oh, but there's so much more explanation of that in the book is like, right. That's why it's a book you know, and not a movie. It, it's missing depth, but it's not wrong or changing things. It's just 
selectively leaving things out in the name of fitting it as much as they can into a two and a half hour yeah you know movie i i i don't know i find it i find it more i don't know personally i dislike it more when characters have clumsy expositional narration like you know oh greetings you know ah uh, paul you remember our friend the mentat yeah. the people who are known for their ability to do gone calculations on a large scale uh-huh. like that kind of stuff is always so awful that like I would rather know less and then be wondering because what's that going to do? Make me go read the book, yeah. you know, or, or, or something. Right. I think your average audience isn't going to go read the book. Um, Probably not. But, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that you see, we, that we see the context clues because we get, because we get it because we Could know be. what a mentat is. I would think most people that have read, have not read the books are like, I don't fucking understand that at all. And maybe that's okay. Maybe it's an Easter egg for people who have read the book. And for people who haven't read the book, it's like, whatever, something weird just happened there. I accept that this is a world that is different from my own. Um, I hadn't read Dune when I watched the original. And I totally understand. I followed along just fine. Yeah, see, I didn't understand the Mentat shit at all in the in, oh, in the David right. Lynch version. When he's like, it's by Willem Lone that my thoughts require speed and all this shit. It's like, what the fuck? That, that, I mean, that, 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 that scene didn't make any sense. There was, hmm. no, there was no context to connect to me why he was saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since all he's doing while he's saying it is driving a ship through the... Harkonnen home world. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like there's not only is what he's saying, does what he's saying make no sense because I don't understand what it means to his character. I have not been provided any context clues to even get where that where that's going. Um, mm-hmm. And they've actually mentioned the characters and the Mentats, but they haven't, you know, they do a little exposition thing uh, at the beginning of the Lynch version about the Mentats and the planet mm-hmm. that they're from. And, uh, and they don't explain what the Mentats are. So we know that a couple of the characters are Mentats, but we don't know what relevance that holds. And, I mean, we could talk all day about what I yeah. think are the failures of the Lynch version, and we're not really here to talk about the Lynch I, version. Yeah, I, I I, feel like this is, I mean, the Lynch, the Lynch version, haha, obviously has a lot of huge differences yeah. from the source material. And this is a, uh, I feel like it's a way more faithful adaptation. The villain is, is uh, villain yeah. wave. Villeneuve. I'm willing really to, I, I will accept either pronunciation. All right. Villeneuve. 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 <laughs> he probably won't, but he's not here. So yeah, uh, yeah I, I agree. I think it was a very faithful adaptation. I just read Dune last year, reread it. And there were entire scenes that I felt I could remember. Yeah, word for word is happening in the way that was in the movie. It it's and and some of it they they do include without explanations. I mean, they never talk about the litany of fear or even call it the litany of fear. But you know, Jessica recites it in, in a few spots. Um, we were talking about mentats, and while they never explain what a mentat is, I super thought it was cool when Thufir Hawat rolled his eyes back and did the little like he switched to computer mode and then sure back that actually that actually made a certain amount of sense as we were talking mm -hmm. about context cues yeah that was good i thought that was good it 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 gave you an idea what what he was doing i i was uh going into this uh having read i think i've read through let's see i've read dune dune messiah children of dune god emperor dune uh and i think 
two more, but I think I'm missing one of the original series. Like, I, I, it's been a long time. The original Herbert Six. The, yeah, the original, right, the, the Frank Herbert books. But um, I was really expecting to dislike Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho hmm. because um, if you've only seen the Lynch Dune or you've only read the first book, Duncan Idaho is not a very important character. And he, he dies in, in that. But Duncan Idaho is arguably one of the most important character in the entire Dune series, including all of the stuff written by Herbert's son. Um, without going into too many spoilers, this isn't like the last we see of, you know, Duncan Idaho in some form or another. And knowing that if they were going to do more of these, they were going to bring back Jason Momoa to, to play that role. I, I had my my doubts, but... I thought this was fun. This was the first time I've seen Jason Momoa not just be a like a dumb surfer guy. It, there was plenty of dumb surfer guy in this portrayal of Duncan Idaho, but I, it, I mean, he he lost the beard and lost like five sexiness points, and all of a sudden became like a little bit better actor. <laughs> yeah, Nick, we we watched it at home because we saw it on HBO Max, and Nick just looks and goes, "Man, that beard's doing a lot of heavy lifting for Jason Momoa's hotness, isn't it?" <laughs> like, but like I I loved, I really, and we saw it in a in a trailer when they showed like the first, they showed like a few, they released a few minutes of footage of June, and that's what they released was the Paul and Duncan uh, when Duncan comes comes in the first yeah. time you see him and he's like oh you've been working out got some muscles like i do no you know like, <laughs> but like i thought that was great because that they they, they have that he's his big brother right. right he's the he's the sibling he doesn't have yeah he's not a father figure he's not that's you know he, he's got He's got Gurney for his, you know, actual training and Gurney's the hard ass that's teaching him stuff. But Duncan is just the guy, the guy he wishes he could be, you know, like, the, like that's what he wants to be. He wants to be a cool ass fighter who everyone respects and who no one pushes around and who doesn't have to like, I don't know, go to like ceremonial bullshit. Like Duncan gets to do what he wants. He's free. And Paul doesn't feel free. Yeah. And I think that's such a big, and Duncan, uh, Jason Momoa plays him as free. He is easy breezy. He's confident. He's strong. He's about to go to this desert planet where he knows they hate him and they do not want him there. And his plan is just like, it's all right. Like when I get there, I'll figure it out. You yeah. know, like just, it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, he does a good job. Uh, as and and you know, again, rewatching the Lynch version, they Duncan Idaho is basically non-existent. He's right. there just long enough to die, and for Paul to feel upset about it. But we haven't seen any relationship for him, and I think that's the good thing that they do here. Is you know, yes, Jason Momoa plays the role well, but also what they have to do is they have to create somebody that. Paul cares about who's going to die. I yeah. mean, aside from his father, but he doesn't see doesn't his father count. die, right? Right. It's, no. it's and it, technically he doesn't see Duncan die either. But but he knows that Duncan's going to his death. He can feel that Duncan's going to die, and that has a much more a much deeper effect on Paul. And I think that that was important that they made that character more more relevant than yeah, he he dreams his death. Like, so it's, it's, it's more of his like seeing, yeah. you know, terrible things happening and he knows something that, 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 that bad things are coming. And I think too, you know, it's, it's, 
he knows every you you know your parents are going to die that is just something that kids know right and so like he especially when you are the heir to a, a throne as it were you know like you have been basically prepared your whole life for what happens when your dad dies so like he that's not something he's you know shied away from thoughts but the idea of duncan dying hurts him more you know because that's a, that's a friend he he and his father even talk about stepping into the role mm -hmm. of leadership and being called to it and and all What's that happen I mean, when i die yeah, yeah. like it, it it's you know it's happened so often or it's such a frequent conversation that they they show us yeah. Yeah. that happening yeah. uh i really i really like rebecca ferguson in this uh the it's, only uh, Je uh, lady jessica yeah jessica yeah. uh the 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 thing i saw her in other than this that i remember was she's rose the hat and dr sleep oh and shit. uh yeah and she was the one of the best parts of that movie, yeah. which was just okay. But she was so good, and and uh, uh, I was very very happy to see her. Uh, this is such a weird like thing to say, but like so they described Jessica as being like some somewhat plain of face, like in the sense that like she's not orna ornate because she's one of the Bene Gesserit. She's not decorated, and she's still very beautiful. And Rebecca Ferguson really has the facial structure and, and looks to pull that off. Like she wasn't wearing makeup. She didn't have, you know, any like subtle makeup on or anything. She just looked like somebody who's, who grew up in a, in a, you know, sisterhood and, and moved on to this life, this, this, this lavish life that she's not ever become accustomed to. I'm really mm -hmm. excited to see her in part two, because yeah. that is where Lady Jessica shines. Um, when she, you know, when they join the the Fremen, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I think that that, I, you know, the the frustration about this movie, and this is me me ranting about the studio for a minute, is they they didn't greenlight the second film until they waited to see how the first film was going to do, and this Dang. film, and this film is half the fucking story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and yeah. I'm like. I understand that making movies is expensive, but compared to the amount of money these studios make back in foreign markets and shit like that, they don't have any risk of losing money. There was no reason. And and you're just like, and, and from a business standpoint, how stupid is it to not sign all these actors on to two movies? Because now you need them back and you're going to have yeah. to pay them more than if you just signed them to make both movies. Um, they, they may have been signed for a second movie dependent on it mm -hmm. being greenlit. Mm -hmm. That's I, I possible. I would be surprised if they, if they weren't like, it's like the, we find out more about the Disney Marvel contracts and how, like, even though they weren't sure, like they were signed for a number of movies that, that weren't guaranteed. Right. Right. But, but it, so now it's going to be like what, three, four years because they got to get all the two, actors schedules. Two years. two years. Really? Yeah, they think they're going to get it done. That's well, what they're all saying. Saying. That's their sin. All right. Well, that, that, seems awfully ambitious but yeah yeah uh you know they're still not making as many movies as they used to so i guess those cgi people have a lot of time on their hands uh also uh, in that time period they are still planning to do the dune sisterhood uh bene Gesserit show on hbo max I'm um, excited for which that. is great because i thought the bene Gesserit and this were fucking awesome oh my god yeah uh the they i mean in the books they talk about them wearing like a simple black kind of a habit. And I love the way that was 
that was done in the costuming. The costuming for the whole movie is really fucking great. Oh, but yeah, but her her wearing how Jessica, Lady Jessica, when she's not in the presence of the the mother, the supreme mother, yeah. the great mother, whatever, mother superior, mother whatever. superior. Yeah, she is wearing her habit uh, over her back like a just like a draped stole or hood, yeah. and then she can pull it up. Like a snood. Yeah, it was very, it was very cool. Uh, and the the Gam Jabbar scene and and the 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 voice itself. I too. liked the voice. I I thought this was a cool way to do it. Um, the it's weird. To, I mean, they have to pick an effect to display it, right? Right. They have to do something, and and I I thought this was great. I liked the voice. I liked the uh, personal shields. I liked those. Yeah, they looked uh, pretty cool. And it's and hurts. It's the hurts something. Hurts something. It's to probably the hurts donut. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I liked I liked that. I liked the hunter seekers. Those were particularly creepy and good. Yeah. Uh, I I let the ornithopters were insane. They were actually ornithopters. They in were. This. Yeah. They were really cool. The uh, all the all the tech was really good. I uh, and I know the voice isn't tech, but it. it yeah, but I, the the look of this movie was really really solid. It it looked beautiful, and I mean the Lynch mu- movie actually looks pretty good, uh, but this yeah. this looks sure. better. For 84, um, it looks good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you consider the timetable in which it, t- time frame in which it was made. There still was a lot of artistic choices that worked for, worked with the Lynch movie in in the appearance. But this one looks uh, so much better. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with technology. But a lot of that has to do with design as well. And, and yeah. figuring out ways to really make it look uh, as realistic as possible. Um and I think I, they did a great job. Uh, two things I was disappointed with. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, first to start, a thing I was impressed with was I was glad for uh, they changed Dr. Liet Kynes to a woman, which is good. Yeah. And she was great. And she was great. Liked her a lot. Uh, also, I liked that they uh, cast people who weren't just white. In, yeah. And that was good. But I do wish that uh, Dr. Yua had not, been like the only Asian character and then was the traitor like that. It just, as soon as they showed him, I'm like, I mean, I'm glad because you know, his last name has always felt, you know, Chinese to me uh, or, 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 you know, but it, then it's like, okay. But then it's like, this is the only Asian actor in the whole movie and is like the traitor. I don't know. It just felt a little, it felt a little weird. Uh, and also the fact that he's a traitor, uh, they didn't give him enough time. I think they, they, there's more that they could have done with Dr. Yua, uh, to help us understand, you know, they didn't do anything about the Imperial conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know that the Imperial conditioning is necessarily important, but, Mm -hmm. but you know, they didn't do a lot. they They didn't do a lot with the idea that that there is knowledge that there's a traitor. There's an expectation yeah. that there's a traitor. But you as somebody that they literally feel there is no reason to ever suspect, right? Uh, as and as being the traitor. Yeah, I I uh, so that was a little bit. As soon as as soon as I saw him, I, I was like, oh no, oh I hope there's more Asian characters, and then there weren't, and it was just like, man, it's, like in 2021, come a fr- on. A friend of ours was like, it's too bad they went with the like bland, sneaky Asian racist trope. Yeah, kind of. yeah. They just kind of fell prey to it. It was a little bit underwhelming for but, sure. Uh, it was. I thought that. Uh, uh, so the only other thing I was a little disappointed with was that uh, I felt like Stilgar didn't get enough of a scene 
Like he didn't like when they, they didn't he didn't get enough in this first half of the book. Like yeah. they, he came in and he had a really dope scene where he doesn't give a shit, you know, and, and he spits on the table and they're about to and Duncan's yeah. like, hold. And he's like, we all, you know, thank you for the gift of your moisture. You know, we honor it back and all that. And that was great. That whole scene was great. But then like there's more with him that happens in that, those early bits that I don't know why you wouldn't give that to Javier Bardem. He's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ideally we'll get a bunch more of him. Oh the, yeah. I would think yeah. we'll get a lot of Stilgar in Once the second we get movie. Into the siege. He, yeah. He's, he's great as the, as the character. Mm-hmm. I just wish they had done more. I think if, if I were to have any one complaint about this, it's just that I wish there was more of everything. I wish it had mm-hmm. more depth. I wish it was, you know, I wish the Lord of the Rings didn't cut it into, yet another movie like three movies instead of two i mean kind of like i i don't i don't know how well that would work narratively but i don't i don't know where you break up the narration the the place they broke it feels like about one of the only places you can yeah you can break this story Nick totally called it right before (laughs) we even he's like he's like i'm pretty sure that where they're gonna end this movie is gonna be like right after jessica and paul flee and then Jessica and Paul were fleeing and I was like, man, there's like a lot of this movie left, but nope. It was just, they really took up their time yeah. with them in the desert and, yeah. and yeah. getting through. If, if um, I have a disappointment, it's the, the Harkonnens. I thought the really? Harkonnens were really? kind of bland. Um, ah. And it's like the Lynch movie, they're way too over the top. So they're cartoonish. Yeah. yeah. They're cartoonish and terrible. I hate yeah. them in the, in the Lynch yeah. movie. And here I didn't hate them, but I wanted to feel like Baron Harkonnen was more conniving uh, than I than I felt like he was. I we didn't see fate at all. No. Um, no. So so it it, it just I, I wanted more of the Harkonnens. I'm not I'm not like yeah. trying to rip on them being for being super shitty. It's just like I mean the Harkonnens are our our enemy, right? They're our they're they're our bad guy to the Atreides mm-hmm. good guys, um, and and I didn't feel like they got enough. Enough to do. Um, I will say, I wish that Stellan Skarsgård, I agree with you that, that I, I think a, a way they could have made that even, even with what they had, right. The, the scenes they filmed and what they left in the movie is just if Stellan Skarsgård had been directed to be a little more uh, 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 charismatic than dull. Like oh, he was playing yeah. it a little dull and that scene where he's got you and he's like, and he's like, you just you you promised my wife, and it's like, I I I I set her free, and I promised you could join her. It's like yeah. that's right, you know, like so join her, you know, that's like fun. that could have been played with more, like like oh sure sure, you know, like yes buddy, oh my, you know yes of course, like yes I made that promise, didn't I? Yes, and everyone like something like that I think could have been it could have been a little bit more fanfare See? in that bit. Like I, my, the way I've always read the Harkonnens in the book, in the books is that, you know, Baron Harkonnen is a fucking calculating and cruel. And as they say in the movie, you know, very brutal man. And I don't think like the, the over the top cartoonishness of the, him in the Lynch version always bothered me because to me, he's always been like, just cruel, not for show, not flamboyant. Mm. It's not, it's not about making people watch you make people suffer it's just he really doesn't give a fuck and he's just doing it to it's all about the the power and the end goal and all, everything else is just pageantry yeah and i 
I really like this because the Harkonnens don't really have any pageantry. They're all about the fucking numbers and, and, you know, taking out the, the Atreides. I, I really liked him in this. I thought, um, I liked everything, but that scene, I should say, okay. that's the only I, scene where I was just kind of like, ah, I wish there'd been a little more panache to that death. Stellan Skarsgård really seems like he's thinking as Vladimir Harkonnen and seems like he's like, uh, uh, you know, plotting. And, and, and I thought that, you know, Batista as, as Ravon, uh, Beast Ravon, we, we didn't really get a whole lot of him. Uh, I think it's a great costume choice and their, and their costumes look dope, but, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Oh, that, Hopefully we get more of that. The riser, the way he rose, the way he moved and rose uh, on that fucking was, pin, pillar, yeah, was really it, cool, like a fabric tether. And I know, I know people. So here's the thing: I know people. I've seen a few comments of people being mad that they put Stellan Skarsgård in a fat suit, but it's like it, it is not an easy feat to find actors who are that who are the size that, that the Harkonnen, Baron Harkonnen is, is intended to be. And I think to, I think that this was a well done suit in the sense that they showed his naked body only in shadow. It wasn't played for grotesque effect or comedy. It wasn't played for comedy. Like it is in the Lynch movie. It, it was just, it didn't look like a guy in an inflated, an inflated bodysuit. You know, like it does in the Lynch movie either. It just looked like this was his body. And he actually, I felt like, was almost dressed to hide his bulk huh. in in the normal way he was, he was costumed. So it worked for me, personally. I, I didn't find it to be fat phobic or, or anything. I liked that, like you're saying about this. The fat suit stuff aside, uh, you know, it bothers me on an ethical level, but whatever. I can get past it. The, the way he floated with his size was so looming and intimidating because it may, I mean, uh, when you have someone that's significantly larger than you, like kind of up in your face, it can, it can really kind of throw you off and it can really, it, uh, it doesn't happen to me a lot, but mm-hmm. I, you know, it can really like kind of make you cringe a little bit. And I felt like him floating up and floating down into people's faces or like mm-hmm. like just being that looming presence was great yeah uh use that physicality yeah i don't think there were any casting choices i didn't agree with yeah. other, other than yeah i wish that there had been other asian characters but I, I saw someone complain that they uh they thought that the fremen were a little bit too arabic maybe um which is hilarious because in the books the the fremen are uh, Arabic. They are they are Zen Sunni. Emphasis on the Sunni. Mm-hmm. They come from fucking Egypt. They are like mm-hmm. a tribal desert people. They are the you know they, yeah. or they were Arabic thousands and thousands yeah. of years ago. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is I think that for, in the casting of the Fremen, they did not feel Arabic. I mean, the choices that there were that that there were a lot of different uh, a lot of different skin colors represented. Um, mm-hmm. It, it certainly ethnic heritages. Ethnic heritages. It it didn't feel like they were trying to put push uh, it as being something that's particularly Arabic. And there's a lot of Arabic reference in the book, mm-hmm. and they yeah. seem to try to pull that out of there. I mean, they they the the the, the there's a jihad in the book. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, there's a jihad that results in the in the outlawing of computers. The Valerian uh, Jihad. Yeah. Yeah. So so it felt like 
they did they did what while they were faithful to the book, they pulled some stuff out of that book that I think can easily be considered pretty racist. I mean, Frank Herbert wasn't Arabic at all and uh, didn't necessarily understand everything about. You're telling me a white guy who wrote sci-fi in the sixties was a little racist. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unexpected. I know. I, I know it's unexpected. You. So something that I've seen more than a, a few of my friends say, which I am just blown away by is uh, that they were distracted by the fact that there were actors in this movie that they know from other movies. <laughs> Like Marvel this movie or, had two, yeah. There are too stuff. many superhero actors in this because there's that girl from Spider Man, and then there's Thanos, and then there's the there's the guy from Star Wars, and then there's and it was like, uh, I mean, you, you know, know what acting is, right? Yeah, these, like, you know what actors do? <laughs> it's just they, like, they do whatever fucking role you give them. I mean, that's that's I, their job, right? It's so fun. what a fucking weird take to be like. I was trying to enjoy the movie, but I honestly I couldn't because I was so distracted by the fact that the uh, that the the actors had been in other famous movies. That, it's that like I, it's like, like saying you were problem. you were distracted in the Force Awakens when you realized that Daniel Craig was a stormtrooper. Um, it, it's it just, just very, I was yeah. just like, oh my god, James Bond is a stormtrooper. I can't think about like, anything I'm else now. Immediately out of this. This, yeah. this movie is immediately not real for me. Yeah, you know the <laughs> thing. Aren't I, real people done. I'm out. <laughs> this is fake. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make me. The thing that was my favorite thing about this movie, and I I did enjoy it a lot. Uh, I thought the score was banging. I just thought oh, yeah. it was so goddamn good. I could have, I could have turned off the, turned off the the visuals and just listened to the score and it was so evocative of what was going on that it it really you know when you come when you're talking about a score that complements what's happening on screen and and creates atmosphere and creates creates emotion i i was really super impressed with it i i thought about it was thinking about it all the time and just like oh i love that choice um, the the score is on uh, YouTube. The whole thing it went up before the movie came out too. If you ever just want to listen to it while uh, you're working, yeah, for background. Molly, what was your favorite part? So, uh, boy, I if I I think my favorite part was the way the fremen popped out of the sand <laughs> to fight. Oh. That was fucking incredible. They were actually desert power. That was for real, because that's one of the things that I remember so much from the books is the the way they describe the Sardaukar fighting and the Fremen fighting and how the, uh, the Atreides troops who feel like they are militarily superior because the Atreides is a very militaristic family and house. Uh, and then they get to the, they get to the desert and it's not just that it's hot and it's not just that they're not used to sand when they come from this gorgeous lush planet full of fucking water and mist. It's not just that it's that the Fremen fight in a way that they've never seen. Like they fight like the, they, I think it's, there's some description, like they fight like the sand itself. They fight like yeah. demons. Like yeah. it's just, and so seeing that was so good and it was such a cool way to show them just like popping out and just like cha-cha, and then they're just gone like it was it was great similarly i i really liked the way the the sardaukar mm. fought as well when they would uh kind of hover down from up high and stuff like that like that was dope it looks so unearthly and mm-hmm. and really wild mm-hmm. i i think my favorite part of the movie may have been 
just how well they uh, captured the scale of this, you know, thousands and thousands of years old empire. Um, the, the the navigator ships, I can't remember what they're called in the books, but that, that particularly kind of tube-shaped uh, giant Oh, the ones ships. that look like, a, like almost like a space station. Like yeah. a, the giant like a cylinders. Um, the cylinders, yeah. sort of, the, yeah. Those, the, the, the city, you know, the, the on, on Dune, the, the, the worms... Shai oh, Hulud. the worms. Like, I think the scale and and um, something that, like, Star Wars did really well, too, is it looks like a, a universe that has history. Yeah. yeah it's been around for sand. a long time. We, we noticed there's, when they do a cityscape, when they did a flyover of Arrakis, there's fucking sand everywhere. There's sand in the crevices, on the tops of buildings. Like, yeah. it, things are weathered by the sand and the sun. Like, the, the, the scapes and all the buildings had been beaten and taken abuse from it. It was amazing. Yeah. It is. I think there's, we could talk for uh, a lot longer so about favorite. this movie. Tim started. My favorite was the score. Things. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, one quick thing. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm, so I'm surprised by people who are saying that they were bored. Oh. I'm seeing a lot of people saying uh, a common thing I'm seeing among all my friends groups is Dune was beautiful. Mm-hmm. The score was good, mm-hmm. it, but it was really boring. And I was bored the whole time. I don't know about you two. Personally, I guess I know about Nick because I was with him when we watched it. But I was like gasping with delight. I don't Hmm. think I have been that excited and thrilled during an entire movie in years, to be honest. Like, uh, I was never bored. I usually get bored during action sequences. Not bored. Like, I, I, I felt like there were stakes. Like I honestly like the the it wasn't just it was not just the scape and the 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 scope of it it was it was a beautiful thing with amazing effects that I just felt I felt like like a kid again like honestly and real quick before we get to five questions Tim what's something you're looking forward to in the conclusion of this in the next movie like a particular uh, scene or something I, well you know I was gonna but I'll still say it even though we saw a glimpse of it I'm looking forward to uh, riding the worms. Yeah, worm riding because uh, because you know I I did rewatch the Lynch version uh, in preparation for this podcast, and again part of it is eighties effects, but I mean the worm riding in the Lynch version is it Jeez. leaves a lot to be desired, and yeah. I'm very much looking forward to seeing the worm riding in this in the sequel. What about you, Molly? What are you looking forward to? Alia Atreides. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for her. I want to see that weird little bald girl with her like when she's like two years old and like smarter than the Mentats and like all because she and and her weird fucking constant spice eyes and just all of it. I am. She's one of my favorites in the book and I'm very excited to see who they cast to play her because it's going to have to be somebody young and really good. So it's going to be like a new, I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be a new kid to watch. No, yeah. <laughs> but for real though, like it's going to be yeah. like a Dakota fanning situation where you're like, sure. this kid's going to be going on to a big, a big career. So I think uh, she would have, she was going to be mine. Uh, thing that I, that I said too, but I've got another one handy. Uh, I'm really, no, that's great. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to uh, the assault on the, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but the the spice refinery in the city where oh, yeah. where the Trades and the Harkonnen are are sta- are staged. Arakeen. Uh, uh, yes, Arakeen. That's yeah. right. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I mean, it kind of combines yours, Tim. The the worms riding in for attack. 
Uh, I'm excited to see them uh, lazing a uh, shield and mm. the, ex- the subsequent explosion from that interaction. And I'm very excited to see uh, Fremen fighting Sardaukar. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, you know, Seleucus Secondus is a terrible and horrible place, but it's no fucking Arrakis. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> they think, yeah. They think that they're the best in the Empire. Yeah. But that's just because they well, don't think of the Fremen. Well, the, the Fremen on their uh, wandering, on their pilgrimage through space, they lived on Seleucus Secondus mm-hmm. for, for hundreds of years. And then they moved someplace that made them even fucking harder. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking forward oh. to that. I do have to say another thing that I'm looking forward to is uh, them doing a better job with Gurney Halleck than they did in uh, the Lynch version. Cause, oh, yeah. Because yeah, it's say. like Gurney Halleck is gone and then he's back. And they're like, you're like, whoa, whoa, what what fucking happened here? Yeah, Josh yeah. Brolin is great. I, I think he has he a, a good he's I a hope good he has a, a loot or something, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he was a good casting choice. Yeah. He seems like he, because like, I don't know. I love, Jean, I love, uh, I love, I can't I only think of Jean-Luc Picard. I can't think of his real name. <laughs> Shit. Patrick Stewart. I love Patrick Stewart, but he just doesn't look like a battle grizzled no. veteran. No, he does not. Many years of war, especially not when he's what, like all of 30, 25 years old in that movie. All right, Molly, who do we have five questions from? We have five questions from patron Adam Treese. Hey, hey, Adam. Yeah, and friend of the show. That's right. Just when we talked about uh, Jungle Book, just a handful of episodes. No, Jungle Jungle Cruise. Cruise. Jungle Cruise. (laughs) Different (laughs) Disney Jungle thing. Uh, Captain Baloo showing you the backside of a bear. <laughs> uh, you know, I would watch that crossover. <laughs> All right. Question one. How often do religious people, I'm assuming exclusively Christian, but maybe you know a particularly pushy Buddhist, try to convert you? How often do religious people try to convert you? It never happens anymore. No. Yeah. No. No, it doesn't happen anymore. And maybe it's just that. I mean, I, I still talk about being an atheist, but I don't don't necessarily talk about it quite as much. Um, Once you've had a podcast for t- almost 10 yeah. years at which yeah. you are like preeminent atheists on the podcast. I like. think a, a big part of it is also just as I get older and my social group gets older, uh, I think the people who would be all about converting me have <laughs> been weeded out. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what religion people try to convert me to the most, and that's clean eating oh, and or MLMs. Oh, it's not the uh, the supernatural fandom? Oh, God. <laughs> I get the most pressure to join. All right. Question two. Bread or pasta? Bread. Bread. All right. Oh, this is hard. But I, I think... Um, I, I think I too do have to go with bread, especially if it's got a nice crunchy crust. Right? Yeah. That's, that's, I, yeah. You can't I can make, make bread. If pasta is crunchy, it's gross. But if and, bread's anything, crunchy, it's delicious. Anything that pasta can be a vehicle for, bread can be a vehicle for. Yep. And, uh, and rice can substitute pasta pretty well in, uh, in a lot of yeah. ways, but nothing yeah. fucking substitutes bread. Nothing substitutes bread, as we learned when we were grain free for that. Like three and a half years yeah. or whatever. Uh, yeah. I was right. I was trying to be like the different person and go with something, but no, I. No, it's it, all right. It's, no. it's you gotta go bread. With your heart. It's bread. All right. Question three: What's the best piece of marriage advice that you've come across? Or I'll say, I think we can also make it that you have. What's the best piece hmm. of marriage advice? Um, I mean, it's cliche to say communication, but really, like, 
if something's bugging you, you got to say something. If you think something's bugging someone else, you got to ask. You got to just um, keep talking to each other a lot. Uh, mine is uh, uh, straight up no secrets. Mm. No secrets from each other other than like, you know, presence. Yeah, fun secrets. But sure. Fun secrets are different, but no <clears throat> secrets. Don't don't lie. Don't um, lie by omission. Uh, and that goes for if uh, your spouse asks, are you OK? And you're not. Don't say I'm fine. Say, no, I'm not OK, but I don't really want to talk about it. Mm. That's sure. what you mean. But don't. But that's the thing. Don't lie. Just just be truthful and, and don't have any secrets from each other. And that's going to go a long way. Yeah. Uh, there's been times where someone has said to me, like, can I tell you something? And you can't tell anyone else. And the first thing I'll say is, well, I'm going to tell Nick. Unless you really don't want me to tell Nick and then it better be where it better really, you know, be a reason I can't tell Nick. Like, but I make sure I let people know that right ahead, you know, because we don't have secrets from each yeah. other. You can just assume that anything you're telling me, I, I, I might tell Molly. Yep. Yeah. That's why I just talked to you together. So I'm safe. Yeah. Um, the, I, the, it, one thing Pat has always said that I agree with, but I, I feel like I need to clarify it a little bit. Pat said, Pat says, marry your best friend. Um, and, and Pat and I married our best friend, but it's more love is what's love is what gets you maybe getting married in the first place. Mm -hmm. But if you don't like the person you're marrying, it's never going to fucking work. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. If you're marrying someone to change them. Yeah. That's the thing. We actually, when we first got married, one of the things that we said to each other was like, I told them, I'm like, if you're doing this with the thought in your head, even in the back of your head of if it doesn't work out, we can get divorced. Let's not get married right. because I am getting married with the intention of never divorcing you, yeah. even if it isn't working out. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to, that, that's, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, and the that's thing is, if you, if you marry somebody you like, then you can work through a lot of the shit. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Cause you remember that you like them no matter what. So and yeah. you didn't keep secrets. It's it's yeah. less marry your best friend and that your spouse should be your best friend. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Question four. Yeah. What kind of bender do you think you would be in the Avatar, the last airbender world? What kind of bender would you be? Water. Water? Yeah. But like uh, uh, cold climate water, like mm. lots of ice and snow bending uh, and then, you know, in the summer, the fun kind. Mm -hmm. What about you, Tim? What about you? Uh, I would unquestionably be an earthbender. That is that yeah. is certainly the kind of person I am. I I really, I'm I'm back and forth on this. I, I When we saw these questions, I thought about a little. And I was like, maybe fire, because I like to cook. But I really, I do think I would be a waterbender. Uh, I hate wind. I fucking hate wind, so I don't want to be an airbender. Uh, I'd probably burn things down. I'm too clumsy to be a firebender. That's not <laughs> a good idea. Uh, but it's really between earth and water, but I think I'm going to go, I would rather be a waterbender, but with, God knows with my luck, I'd end up in Gryffindor and be an earthbender. Uh. <laughs> All right. Question five in video games where you can have your character trend toward good or evil Knights of the older public or fable, for instance, do you have a direction that you tend to default to? I have a, uh, uh, such a predictable thing that I didn't even realize I was doing it until like mass effect three or something like that but uh first playthrough uh i play uh like if you can choose your your like gender presentation and that sort of thing i'll play a dude and i'll play a, a pretty good guy maybe not like a absolute paragon 
but like a pretty a pretty good guy, mm-hmm. you know, maximizes the greater good, a little bit utilitarian. And then in my second playthrough, I play like an evil witch. Mm-hmm. And in the first playthrough, I might favor like swords or guns or something like that. But then the second character, I'll be like the magical woman who makes the more, you know, cunning decisions mm-hmm. or more manipulative and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and it just it's not like a misogynist thing it's just more fun and that's like the more fun one for me that's you know. being the real you <laughs> Maybe a bit. yeah yeah Letting her loose. it's it's great that's always how i've done it what about you tim uh yeah i don't i don't play a lot of games like that uh yeah. but my my general default is i don't like playing an asshole <laughs> yeah. so i tend to i tend to go more for the good direction than the evil direction that's just me every time i've played fable uh i have i always uh, i always play a female character i don't really i've spent enough of my time i should say i've wasted enough of my life being forced to play male characters sure. if i can play a female character i do but uh, uh and Fable's the only game i've really played a lot of where there is that moral choice and I played a lot of Fable, but uh, I, I always my first run through, I always do as good as possible, like Paragon of, of Virtue, except for sex. I will fuck anything I can find. Uh, <laughs> I will not only that, but I like to marry. Uh, I like like I, I very much enjoy marrying people in different villages and, and being a polygamist. You like hose sure. in different area I codes. like hose in different area codes, but I always I always end up with just one male a husband, just one husband who I make take care of all of our children. Uh, and then I just go and keep a bunch of women around. And then every now and then I'll forget. And I'll, I'll like one time this one wife of mine was like, oh, because they'll say where they want you to take them. It's like, oh, I wish I could see Bowerstone. That sounds like it would be wonderful. And I'm like, all right, bitch, let's go. And I took her to Bowerstone. And right away, my, my other wife was like, who's this? And I'm like, oh, shit. And like they started, they both started getting mad at me. And my reputation was just going all over the place. And I had to kill them both. There was the only option. <laughs> yeah, it had to. That's it. You that's know, that's what way. you do. Uh, that was great. Thank you so much, friend of the show and patron, Adam Treese. That's great. If you want to send us your five questions, you can send them to questions at geekswithoutgod.com. Uh, if you are a patron, first of all, thank you. Uh, second of all, you will get your questions bumped to the top of our queue like Adam did, and uh, we'll get to them a little bit uh, before Don't we have a new else. patron? We do have a new patron. Wow. Our new patron is Mark Freiberg. Mike hey, Mark. Freiberg. Frank, Mike, Mike. I said, I said, Mark. Oh, Mike. Mark. Oh, my God. That's embarrassing. <laughs> We've known Mike for like 20 years. I've literally known Mike as long as I've known Molly. So uh, extra embarrassing. Uh, that's It's amazing. Uh, Mike said he's recently discovered that he... Uh, likes listening to podcasts, so he's he's given us a shot. He did say, uh, uh, yeah, he he actually already sent in five questions too. Like he did it the same the hour. Same that was hour. so easy. I know. Wow, crazy. Well, thank you, Mike. Not Mark at all, and I know that. Um, I Mark swear. Robert. Yeah, I know. Jesus. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, we've been geeks all God. We've been talking about Dune. Let us know what your thoughts were about the new movie. What you're looking forward to in part. Part two or the uh the sisterhood show on hbo max otherwise uh we'll be back with another episode next week uh we'll see you all then bye, bye. our podcast is a killing word we're geeks we're geeks we're geeks without god we're geeks we're geeks we're geeks without god Recognize moral authority, we don't accept divine superiority, we're geeks.
Geeks Without God. Until next time, you can find us blogging and listen to past podcasts at geekswithoutgod.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Geeks Without God. We're geeks. We're geeks. We're geeks without God. We're geeks. We're geeks. We're geeks without God. We're geeks. Geeks without God. I feel like we can exploit the shit out of him and he won't complain.